You know, I, I want to remind us who Mary is that Dee was singing about. Mary's sister was Martha. We remember that scene of Mary and Martha, right? Martha's the busy one. Martha's the one taking care of the details. Mary is at the feet of Jesus. She's drinking it all in. She's, she's loving what Jesus is saying. And then they have a brother named Lazarus. And Lazarus and Mary and Martha were Jesus' close friends. They lived in Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem. No doubt Jesus had stayed with them many times. We remember in the 11th chapter of John's Gospel that uh, Lazarus had died. And Martha and Mary were grieving his loss. They had no doubt anointed his body and they had placed his body in the tomb and they were so sad that Jesus hadn't been there. And as soon as Jesus showed up, four days after Lazarus had died and was in the tomb, both Martha and Mary independently say the same thing to him. They say, Lord, if you'd have been here, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And we know how that story ends. Jesus goes to that tomb of Lazarus and he said open the tomb and remember Martha the detailed person she protested and I love what it says in the King James Version you know what it says it says oh no Lord by now my brother stinketh don't you love that word stinketh by now my brother and he probably would But Jesus said, come forth, Lazarus. And he came forth. Alive. And then we enter the 12th chapter, and there Jesus is sitting with Lazarus, the man who'd been dead for four days, and they're having dinner. And Martha's serving the dinner, of course. And there's Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet again. But this is different. She's not sitting at Jesus' feet and she's not learning from Jesus. She's not speaking to Jesus. It's all very silent what she's doing. But she brings out this alabaster box, as we've heard sung about. And in that box was this very expensive perfume called nard. And she is anointing the feet of Jesus with this nard. And when she has anointed his feet, she dries his feet with her hair. So that the fragrance of this nard is all throughout the house. Now I need to give you just a little bit more background on this nard. Nard was actually called spike nard. And it got that name because of its spiky roots and this herb-like features that was also spiky. It grew in the Himalayan mountains. And the Romans and the Greeks, they loved the smell of nard. And they would pay the expense to have the nard uh, brought in to what we call the Holy Land and, and, and it would be put in alabaster flasks or jars or boxes and there it would be preserved. And we're told that the perfume, a pound of this perfume was worth 300 denarii. That means absolutely nothing to us unless we know that most of the common laborers in Jesus' day would work for a denarii a day. So 300 denarii, that would be a whole year's salary, right? So in today's terms, that pound of nard cost $30,000. They'd already used some of it on Brother Lazarus. But what they had left 
Mary was putting on the feet of Jesus and then drying his feet with her hair. You know, everyone knew, everyone knew when they smelled that nard, they were smelling the good stuff. Have you ever had a whiff of the good stuff? Really, think about it. Let's turn to John's gospel, the 12th chapter, and we're going to read these 12 verses, and then we're going to move through this text. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Six days before... The Passover, you know, this is the week that Jesus is going to die. Six, six days before the Passover. Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. And there they gave a dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. And Mary took a pound of a costly perfume made out of pure nard, and she anointed his feet and wiped them with her hair. And the house was filled with this fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? John reminds us, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he kept the common purse and he used to steal what was put in it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you. But you do not always have me. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Did you know that when you were born, your nose was capable of detecting and identifying 10,000 different scents? Did you know that? I mean, we lose a little bit of that sense sense. As we go through life, but but when we're younger, that sense of smell is so very prominent. Smell bypasses the conscious brain and appeals directly to the limbic system. The, The sense of smell is wired to our brains and to our emotions. And furthermore, the sense of smell is an infallible trigger to memory. Do you have smells that cause you to remember things? Really? Now, don't lose, I don't want to lose you here, but I do want you to think about those smells. You know what I was thinking about this week? I was thinking of the smell of Vicks Vapor Rub. How many of you can smell that right now? If you think about it, you can remember those smells. But what I remembered was when I was a little kid and when I had a cold or something, my mother rubbing Vicks Vapor Rub on my chest, maybe on my lip. And I can remember how, when I felt so bad, how that Vicks Vapor Rub, it it all of a sudden reminded me of my mother and her care and love for me in that moment. Wow. What other smells? You know, that smelled like the good stuff. Vicks Vapor Rub smells like the good stuff to me. 
Do you remember the smell of chalk dust? Most of you are too young. Man, I remember it when I was in my little school growing up and we had chalkboards and erasers and those erasers get dusty and when you'd gotten your work done, you raised your hand and, and sometimes Miss Stewart would let you go and, and, and dust the, the, the erasers and you'd dust them out on the old rock fence or wall and you, you'd be able to dust them. It might take you 30 minutes and while you were dusting erasers, all the other kids were having to work. I can smell chalk dust right now. It smells like the good stuff. You know, when I was in high school and I had surrendered to preach, um, a pastor in an adjoining town who meant so much to me, Brother Billy Joe Thomas, and, and, uh, and, and he had a wife, Emma Jo. And, and Emma Jo gave me a little Bible. It was a little brown leather, real leather testament and, and it said Stanley on it. And you could open that book and it smelled like God. You want to know how God smells? God's smell is up in my office right now in that leather-bound Bible. But you know what? It, really, it, it, it causes a memory of a very special time in my life and my relationship with God and other people. And it brings that back just like that. And how many of us love this time of year, the springtime? I was in East Texas a week or so ago, and the dogwoods were blooming, the azaleas were blooming, uh, uh, everything was out. You know, the, the, the whole countryside just smelled fragrant. And, you know, this time of year, if you've been driving on the highway, especially if you've driven south, you've seen the Texas blue bonnet. And, oh, you can just see it. I don't know if blue bonnets smell that great, but, but they smell in your mind, don't they? You know, here's a picture of a blue bonnet. I think we may have a blue bonnet. So, doesn't that, can't you smell it from there? It smells like the good stuff. And Tammy and I, the last few days, we've had the pleasure of, of keeping our granddaughter, Claire Bear. And Claire Bear's parents, what's their names? They'd gone out of town. <laughs> and they'd left Claire Bear with us. And I don't know if you smell a little baby lately. I mean, babies don't smell good all the time, believe me. But you know what I'm talking about. And you know, when you put a, a baby in a blue bonnet patch, oh my goodness, do we have that picture? Now that's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. Oh my goodness. And she's got on her liturgical pants. Just like Dee Dee's hair, purple. This is the season of purple. I want to remind us of something. You know what nard smelled like to Mary and Martha? It smelled like death. Their hearts were broken just days before when they painstakingly anointed their brother's whole body with nard. They no doubt were mixing tears and nard together as they rubbed the body of Lazarus. And all of those memories of what it was like to be with brother flooded their souls. But that smell of death had been transformed. For just a few days later, four days later, here comes Jesus. 
And all of a sudden, Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb when Jesus said, come forth. And he didn't stinketh. He smelled good like the good stuff. He was alive. And, and Mary couldn't help when she was smelling that nard not think about the pain of Lazarus' death. She could only think of the joy of him being raised and, and, and how that miracle filled her heart with all anticipation of could this be Jesus the Christ, the Messiah? Oh, it smelled like the good stuff. But to Jesus, it did smell like death. He reminded everybody in the room, she's saved this nard, she saved this perfume to anoint my body and to get me ready for my burial. Nobody really got that. No one fully appreciated the significance of what would be Jesus' death. No one could think about the death of Jesus in any way but tragic and yet we Christians know that the death of Jesus on Friday causes us to call that Friday good. And any fragrance reminds us of that, that Friday reminds us of our redemption. The good stuff. Of course, Judas smelled something different. Nard smelled like money to him. And, and, and it smelled like waste to him, the way that Mary was putting that nard on his feet. He'd already had his calculator out. He'd already figured up this is worth, this is worth 30,000 bucks. Well, 300 denarii. He said, Lord, how, how are you letting this woman waste all of this money? And, and then to make him feel better, he, he said, oh, we could have sold that and given the money to the poor. So what we smell or what the disciples smelled when they smelled that nard and they heard Judas' uh, voices, they just could smell greeds. All they could smell was greed. When Mary got it right, Mary knew that the place that we have to go, not just her, but all of us, is we have to go to that place of thanksgiving, that place of praise, that place of worship. She didn't know exactly who Jesus was, but she'd seen enough to know this man is very special. This man has such a relationship with God that, that I can see my place right now and I don't want to miss this opportunity. I want to kneel at his feet. I want to put this expensive oil and, and not even count the cost because he didn't count the cost when he raised Brother Lazarus from the dead. He didn't count the cost when he has taught us over and over and over again about God's love. I want to worship him and I want to center my life in this worship moment right now. And when Judas started pestering Jesus about what she was doing, remember Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it. She can do with it what she wants to do, but you see what she's doing with it. She's worshiping me with it. 
And then he said, the poor you'll have with you always, but you're not going to have me always. What he wanted to say was that Mary gets it. She, She realizes that for those of us who follow Christ, know that we center our our outreach, we center our, center our compassion in our thanksgiving and our worship of Almighty God who calls us together to center ourselves on His grace that we then go out and share with those in need. If you do one without the other, you're just doing good things. And it doesn't smell like the good stuff. When you start with recognizing from whom all blessings flow, and when you give thanks to God for all of those blessings, then you overflow those blessings into a world of need. You have to put things in proper perspective. Ministry and outreach springs forth from a worship foundation and center. Asbury Hall smells like the good stuff to me. Who's got it on? Who's got it on? Oh, this has always smelled like the good stuff in here. A pastor friend of mine, and I close, Jim Moore's his name. Jim preached at St. Luke's in Houston for years. He wrote a ton of books, and he's retired. He lives in the Dallas area. But he told a story once upon a time about two couples in his church. He said he was the pastor in a college town um, in another state, and I'm sure it was Centenary College in Shreveport, Louisiana, because I know he served there. And First Methodist in, in Shreveport is an associate pastor. He said, one of my favorite persons in the congregation was this wonderful older man that most of us called Mr. Joe. Jim said, Mr. Joe was a kind-spirited man who was always gracious and thoughtful and considerate to everyone. He was a real Christian gentleman. He was what I would call a sweet conservative, Jim said. (laughs) Sweet conservative. He said he loved life. He loved people. He loved the church. He loved the Bible. He loved his Sunday school class. He loved his nation. He loved his president. Whoever the president was, he loved his pastor. Whoever the pastor was... He was that kind of loving person, but he really did love Betty, his wife. Jim said that Mr. Joe and Miss Betty had been married for 60 plus years, and they were high school sweethearts. Then one night, Miss Betty died in her sleep, and Mr. Joe was devastated. They had no children. But they had lots of children. You know what I mean? They were those kinds of people. Jim said at Miss Betty's funeral, the church was packed. He said, I wasn't surprised about that, but I sure was surprised that Jean was there. He said Jean was a member of the church too, he and his wife. But he said Jean... He was the most liberal college professor in our town and in our church. He said, and I had no idea Mr. Joe and Gene were friends. Their approach to life was so different. They were both devoted Christians. 
But socially, politically, religiously, they were at opposite ends of the pole. One was old, one was young. One was conservative, one was liberal. One was a lifelong Republican, one was a lifelong Democrat. You get the picture. And yet, here was Gene at the funeral. But not only that, he was the chief pallbearer of Betty's casket. But in addition to that role, at the memorial service, Gene, uh, Jim said, uh, Gene went over and he sat by Mr. Joe right there beside him, put his arm around him. And he said throughout the whole service, he was just patting on Joe. Joe was crying and Gene was just comforting him throughout the service. Jim said, I was touched, but I was mystified. I had no idea that these two were friends. They're such an unlikely pair. So he said, after the service, I, I had a chance to talk to Mr. Joe. He said, I said, I didn't know that you and Gene were friends. And he said, oh, yeah, we're friends. We're next-door neighbors. We've been next-door neighbors for mm, 10 years. We take care of each other, he said. He said, you know, every Wednesday morning, we, we've had coffee for 10 years. Every Wednesday morning. He said, yeah, we see things differently. I know that's what surprised you. But he said, uh, you know, I just tell him that he cancels out all of my political votes. And I cancel out his. He's like a son to me. Jim said, then I got to talk to Gene. I said, I didn't know you were friends with Mr. Joe. He said, oh, yeah. I said, I love Mr. Joe. He's my dear friend. He said, we liked each other from the very first time we met. He's a great man. He said, you know, Pastor, when my sister died tragically a few months ago, he said, Mr. Joe stayed with me and cried with me all night long. He said, I love that man. And I told him I would do anything for him except vote the way he votes. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful story? And we're reminded that it is only in centering on Christ who takes us beyond our stuff. Let's us smell the good stuff. Right? See, for them, what brought them together was a belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What brought them together was a church that they loved so much. What brought them together, they, they, they so happened to be in the same neighborhood. And loving each other just wasn't an option. Because they found themselves Sunday after Sunday worshiping together. They gathered around the communion table countless times. Oh, they could have their difference. That was just the stuff. The, the good stuff was what they could do in the world together for others. Which was what they practiced all the time. Friends, when we get it like Mary did, and we center 
on a relationship with Jesus Christ and we get what that has done for us, then, 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 then we can't help but worship and praise and give God thanks. And, and we can't help but spring forth from that kind of thanksgiving to want to give care and compassion and love to those in need. The two go together. The good stuff. You know, in a few days, we're going to gather in all these different worship venues. There are going to be like 10 million Easter lilies here. And if you've ever smelled an Easter lily, whoa, they smell good. There are going to be a bunch of them in the chancel area. You know, if you're allergic to Easter lilies, you better wear a mask. You know, I can't help when, when I, I smell an Easter lily. I smell the cross. And it, and, and it would only smell like the good stuff if we get Easter. When God raised Jesus from the grave, just like Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave, and transformed that bad Friday into good into your salvation and my salvation into your forgiveness and my forgiveness into your redemption and my redemption you know what you you just remember when you smell those Easter lilies it's going to smell like the good stuff right and we'll be sent forth on Easter to share that love and compassion in need. Crosswalk, that's the good stuff.